have you been good dude good you know just uh working living gearing up for some shows this week yeah what do you have coming up i'm playing a couple house shows on friday and saturday in cleveland area and saturday is the t- the uh, official tape release show for the new ep oh that's so, sick that's exciting how do you even get like a house show is that just friends that are throwing those on or just random people yeah um well wes uh, who runs Flower Pot Records? She is the one who books stuff at the one house show, Sunny the house venue, Sunnyvale Trailer Park, which is not a trailer park. It's just named after the place from Trailer Park Boys. Um, <laughs> but so uh, she does uh, shows out of there as well as like running a record label, local independent label. So they do a lot of music out of there. The other one is this place called Slime House in Cleveland that I've never been to, never played don't really know anything about but a friend uh who plays in some bands asked me if i wanted to play and i was like fuck yeah i love house shows so that's dope as hell i don't think i've ever i've been to like a couple house shows but nothing crazy not like the ones you see videos at oh because that was like a huge part of my uh my like punk rock upbringing especially in my 20s like in 20 in my early mid 20s it was like house shows all the time we used to have a place in cleveland called dag house that was like pretty infamous for a long time just because they had shows there constantly and they were great. And it was in this house that was like really big house in like proper Cleveland, like the city of Cleveland, not in the suburbs. Right. But like they were on this weird street where the house was set way far back. So there was like no neighbors really. And noise was never an issue in the like many years they did shows there the cops never came once which is crazy (laughs) um so yeah it was like a a real fucking we were very fortunate to have that and when it ended it was just because the people who owned the place decided to sell it and then kicked everybody out so that was a bummer my uh my friend kyle actually booked that fan uh that band fireworks back in the day at a house Mm -hmm. show in buffalo and uh that got shut down by the cops it was on like saint patrick's day and they yeah. had to move the whole show to like an actual venue. But yeah, that's a funny story. I've never actually went to that, but I heard it was awesome. <laughs> there's some pretty there's there was like a, like it seems like there's still house show stuff happening here, which is good. Like, I think that stuff's super important. Yeah. Um, and like really where a lot of scenes grow is out of those because that's where yeah. a lot of like community and friendship comes out of. But oh, like. Cleveland had that for a long time. There was a, a place I never got to go because I was just a little too young and just didn't have wasn't in the know enough. But there was a place called Fort Totally Awesome and yeah. uh, very infamously against me played there right when reinventing Axl Rose had just come out. Yeah. And so many people came to this house show that the main support beam for the house cracked 
Oh no! Because of how many people were there, and that was the end of that house venue. There was no more shows there <laughs> after that because it just was like unsafe. People, yeah. <laughs> I've talked to people who were lucky enough to go to that, and they're like, "Yeah, you could see the floor bowing, and it was like actually scary." <laughs> oh no, that's horrible. Yeah. So, but like also a thing that a lot of people who you know the people who were there, they all have like a pretty crazy lifelong memory of seeing against me in a house one of the probably one of the last house shows that band ever could have even played yeah for sure yeah i just realized the the drummer of slipknot that just got kicked out of slipknot he used to be in against me jay weinberg yeah a son of max weinberg uh bruce springsteen's drummer really yeah oh so he's so he's a real nepo baby (laughs) (laughs) yeah there you go yeah i kind of I really miss the whole like communal aspect of the East Coast shows just in general. I feel like I don't get that out here at all in LA. Like people don't really talk at shows. They're just kind of there for the show and then they leave. It's not like, like you're saying back home. Everybody's more communal about it and just meeting everybody and lingering. Yeah, that's a bummer because that's like one of my favorite things about shows. What keeps me still going is just like meeting yeah. new people, seeing like younger bands and what they're up to and like. Right. Yeah, just it's it's encouraging to see that shit continue to grow and exist and thrive. It's I don't know. It's always been so important to me. So I don't know what I would do without that. Right. And it was so fun. Me uh, see, actually meeting you for the first time at Mahal's with all the the know you go guys, too. That was awesome. Um, Very cool venue there. Yeah. Which I'm playing there uh, in the like upstairs room. They have like a, a part. It's the, called the apartment because that's basically what it is. Um, right. <laughs> but I'm playing there on December second with uh, Jay and uh, Bad Bloom. Oh, he's playing there. No way. Yeah. So oh, he hit me you. up through Carmen because I guess the well they had another local booked and that band broke up, so they needed someone. And I right. guess they may maybe he asked around or something, but apparently through Carmen from our film group. <laughs> uh, to, like suggested me which is very cool very grateful for that but That's yeah so he messaged sick. me and was like oh do you want to play this show i was like yeah hell yeah absolutely yeah now jay's the man um all right have you checked out any cool movies lately uh yeah a lot always been watching hella movies let's see let's, let's pull up the old letterbox <laughs> here look at my diary <laughs> see what the last uh week or so has been <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, well, yeah, well, yesterday we had our, our little film group meeting Yeah, and I watched, uh, Sweet Smell of Success before the meeting, which you, you weren't there, right? You, you missed yeah. out on the meeting. I was planning on it and then I was still finishing the movie and I was already like 45 minutes late and I had somewhere to be. So I was like, ah, like well, one of those up. things. Yeah. I usually try not to wait till the day before. I know this group has a tendency for that, but I try to do it like at least halfway through the week. Yeah, that's a good move. Make sure you lock it in. Yeah, and it's good to like look up like interviews and like hear other podcasts of people talking about the movies too. Sometimes because then you just have more to say when you talk about it. I don't know. I like to do that. Yeah. Do research. That's a fun idea. I should start doing that because it would be uh, it would be cool to kind of get a little more time to like or just to learn about the film after the fact a little bit. But yeah. I usually just go with whatever dumb shit I was thinking when I was watching the movie. <laughs> Right, just like a gut um, instinct, yeah. But yeah, so I usually have Sundays like pretty blocked off, so I started my day watching that, and then I still had some time, so I watched, uh, what is it called? Symbio Psycho Taxiplasm Take One, <laughs> what? which is a, a film from 68 by a guy named William Greaves, and it is, uh, 
<laughs> it's like a movie within a movie within a movie. It's it's insane. Um, basically, this guy made this movie where it's almost like he's doing a, a screen test with these actors. And it's like this joke that nobody but him is in on that. Mm-hmm. He's like he's got three camera crews with them. One is filming the actors. One is filming them filming the actors. And then there's another camera crew filming all of that. So it's this like super meta thing. And he basically just William Greaves kind of decided to just like play a role without telling anyone. Right. Where uh, as the director where he's like being very hapless and and like like he does ineffective, like he doesn't know what he's doing. And there's like basically somewhat of a mutiny that happens at one point behind the scenes. Meanwhile, this was all like his intent. This is like what he wanted to happen more or less. Right. And it's it's this movie that like could not find funding or distribution for many years until I think Steve Buscemi saw it at a film festival many years later and became like obsessed with it and really helped like bring it to light. And it's in the Criterion collection now and everything. Um, but that was like a movie I watched recently that I was just like, oh, this is unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. This is right. absolutely incredible. That's the stuff I get really excited about is when I watch a film and I'm like, damn, that's just like I have never seen anything else like this. Steve Buscemi's the fucking man. He's actually he might be the focal focal point of my next pick. Actually, I was thinking of picking this movie called Trees Lounge. Have you ever seen that? I'm not. No, I think you'd like it a lot. I think a lot of the people in the group haven't seen it. Um, it was like the first movie that Steve Buscemi like ever directed, I think. So he directed and stars in it. OK. And, and he's like a bum in like a bar from what I can remember. But it's just a really fun movie. So I might pick that next. I, I watched uh, Mystery Train earlier this year, the Jim Jarmusch film. OK. And he's in it and he's in like his early 30s, I think, at this time. Um, and he's like acting a lot and Joe Strummer from the clashes in the film. Yeah. And seeing the two of them paired up is like the most amazing. (laughs) What world are we living in experience ever? Not what I expected at all. I was just moving myself. So I wasn't blocking your face anymore on my screen. Probably blocking (laughs) my face with the friggin' microphone too. (laughs) But yeah, it was, uh, that, that was a really great movie too. If you've never seen mystery train, I, I highly recommend that. Mr. Pink and Mr. Mr. Clash together. Yeah. At once. <laughs> Mr. E train. That's awesome. Where what where was that streaming? Uh oh, I'm I'm uh, I just uh, do everything illegally. So oh, sick. I'm a criminal, so uh what's a good site for that? Like one, two, three movies? Uh yeah, I just I t- I I torn a lot of stuff or there's some there's always like illicit streaming sites you can find if you if you I'll, I'll send you a link to the one i used just so i don't blow up my own spot with that but uh hell yeah we can both be criminals yeah I uh, you that. know if I, but like you know smaller <laughs> stuff stuff that's like newer and more independently financing i'll always support financially in some way um or like, I mean, I'm constantly going to movies at the Cinematheque, the like local, basically right. art theater in Cleveland. Uh, so I, I'm a big, a big proponent of supporting the the art for sure. Right. But like, you know, if I don't give um, 
I don't know, uh, you know, fucking two ninety nine. Oppenheimer. To... I mean, I, that's a bad example, Oppenheimer, because I did go to see that in theaters. <laughs> but if I did give them my money and just pirated it, I would not feel a little bit of guilt about that. They, <laughs> they've got plenty. Exactly, exactly. But I, I definitely don't feel bad when it's like a hard to find title. So if you're if you're able to find this movie called Out of the Blue, the Dennis Hopper movie, let me know because that'll be my next pick if we can find that. Okay. Yeah, I'll take I'll I'll try to track that down. Yeah, that's a great one. I don't know why they brought it to Blu-ray. It should it should realistically be on streaming. I don't know what the deal is with that. It's like funny how much stuff isn't on streaming. Although um Jeff, who is uh in our group, uh my my good friend and former roommate, he yeah. gave me his Criterion a channel login. So that's been really uh, useful. How many people can use that before it just boots you out? Like three? I don't know. I, I think I'm the only other one who has it, thankfully. So we haven't <laughs> had that issue yet. I haven't gotten a text from him being like, hey, get the fuck off my thing. So yeah. <laughs> that actually, that's what yeah, that that's what I used to watch uh, Symbio's Psycho Taxoplasm this weekend because it was on there. So that's how I watched that. Right. Yeah, that just happened to me with Netflix. My sister like texted me and my mom and she was like, uh, Netflix is doing their thing, you know, because they said like last February that after a certain while that you weren't going to be able to share anymore. It was going to be like right. limited to one household. And my, I get this text from my sister and she's just like, what do we do? And I went on my Netflix and I was just like, oh, confirm household. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> and I confirmed it to my household and I, I fucked it up for like everybody else. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, whoops. But I feel bad. Yeah, like my mom probably... pays for it. Yeah. They base it by like IP or some IP address or something. So it's like, yeah. now you're saying this is where it's located. And they're like, okay, no one else can use it now. <laughs> no, we fixed it. You have to like pay extra basically to get like multiple households. Like it's like an extra five bucks. The streaming model is so broken. And that's like a main reason why I like slip back into, into piracy. And this is their fucking fault. And I blame them. It's like, <laughs> it well, yeah, when you create a million streaming platforms right and the majority of them don't have the things i fucking want most right. of the time then i'm not gonna <laughs> play this game because there was plenty of time where i just had a few different streaming services i uh signed up for was happy to pay for and then just the quality was so bad it just got worse and worse in terms of what they actually give you and right. i was like no nah, fuck this you're, you, you're shooting yourself <laughs> in the foot i'm going back to the old ways do you think they'll ever have like a new model or like a like a package plan where you can just purchase a bunch of them together and make it cheaper? I wonder if they'll ever do that. Maybe something like that. I don't know. It's just like capitalism so thoroughly breaks everything to a yeah. point where it's designed to make a certain amount of people as much money as possible, where it just always and, and that like it's like because of capitalism, everything cool must die and fall right. to shit eventually. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a very it's very bleak sometimes. But right. then again, that's like, well, hey, that's why we turn to alternative means and methods, and why we don't feel guilt for that. Absolutely. Did you see the uh, the new Thanksgiving movie yet? The little horror movie. Cheese. I'm not, but someone, uh, a friend, was just posting about it on uh, Instagram stories and said uh, something to the effect of, "I'm not going to spoil anything, but if you're a punk, you'll like this movie." Oh, yeah. And that made me want to go see it because I'm not the biggest horror person. Like I'll watch some horror movies, but yeah. it's like it's like lower on my totem pole of yeah. what type of movie I want to watch for sure. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a comedy though. It's like, it's got a lot mixed in, but it's, it's just fun. I don't know. It's a stupid movie, but it's fun. You know, hearing if you're a punk, you'll like it definitely piqued my interest. So I'll probably have to go watch that soon. I did in terms of comedy. I watched the dicks, the musical. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it, but I remember it. It's like early, like 2001. No, no, no. This just came out. Oh, wait, wait. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. The one that used to be called uh, fucking identical twins. Fucking there... identical twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, A24 produced yeah, yeah. it. Um, and the two like main people who made it and star in it are like these New York alternative comedians I've been following for a bit prior to this. So I was very excited to see that they got to do this. But it's like Megan the Stallion's acting debut and she <laughs> gets a song and it's great. Um and Nathan Lane is in it and is killer, but that's like two A24 movies that Nathan Lane's been in this year that are like two of my favorite movies of the year. The other being Bo is Afraid. Right. Um, so he's having a killer fucking year, which is amazing to see. Um, but Dick's the Musical and Bottoms actually as well, like two of the funniest movies I've seen in in years. And I've been there's been like a real void for good comedy, like genuinely great comedy oh, yeah. in cinema. So these movies are like really lifting my spirits right now. Uh, but yeah, you got you gotta see Dicks immediately. It's it's so fucking insane. Yeah, I'm down. I have the AMC A list thing, so I have to use some of those spots. When people there. act like comedy has been like neutered or you can't do or say anything, uh, like this is so much edgier than all these fucking like alt-right trolls who think just being like trying super hard to be offensive is comedy and it's not this movie has so much stuff in it that is just so sheerly offensive on the (laughs) core level and it's hilarious and it's excellent and it's like yeah that's the way to go fuck yeah i gotta check it out that sounds awesome um what about any like records have you been spending anything sweet lately um that's a good question um I guess the short answer would be no. <laughs> um, I just haven't been listening to a lot of stuff lately. Yeah. Mm, I should like, I feel like I should pull up my title to refresh my memory about what I have been listening to. Cause I'm just going to say things that are like, Oh, the new mountain goats record. I obviously love, but that's, yeah. you know, my favorite band and they've been around for a thousand years. So that's not like, right. I wish I could say something new and exciting. Um, but uh, I, I've, I've, I guess like, I've been really so tapped in with watching film that it's kind of taken that place for me where I'd normally be spending a lot of time listening to records. Right. And I kind of like pumped the brakes on that recently. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I, there's, there's always good stuff coming out. There's always something new and exciting to check out. And if I haven't heard it yet, I'll, I'll get to it eventually kind of thing. It's good to go back and forth. That's what's so cool about music and film. They kind of go hand in hand. You get bored of one and you can just jump right back to the other. It's kind of nice. That's something... That's something my one friend said, uh, like a close friend of mine, Steve, was like, it's funny how, to me, it was like, it's funny how you have replaced, almost not like replaced, but like the same enthusiasm you've had for the art of music all these years, you're now kind of like becoming obsessed with film in the same way where you're just immersing yourself in it and like covering so much different ground. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess that is exactly what I'm doing. Because I'm the same way with music where like, you know, there's, it's, it's a very, I guess, cliche thing to be like, Oh, I listen to all kinds of music, 
but I listen to all fucking kinds of music. Yeah, uh, from avant-garde jazz to pop. Like I love music as a whole, and so I'm constantly seeking out new stuff from new styles, new genres, or just different styles and genres. Right. I, I pride myself on not being very limited in that stuff. And so film, it's the same way where it's like there's such a huge gamut to run and watching. I don't know. I just get so much from art as a whole. So right. getting to experience the different versions of that and interpretations of what that art can mean and do is like so thrilling and exciting and spiritually rewarding. Well, that's the best way to be. A lot of people like to put themselves in a box. Like I, I know a lot of like metal fans that are like, no, fuck everything else. Metal is the only way. I'm just like, you're insane. Right. <laughs> yeah and like your favorite metal band probably listens to a lot more than just metal so yeah, oh like, yeah definitely you're just, you're like that's the other thing i don't get is like how you can take so much from an artist and not want to know what makes them tick or what inspired them or get to the core of what influences them i mean you know referencing like avant-garde jazz it's like how much fucking insane heavy music has been fully inspired by the most aggressive avant-garde jazz that has ever existed and like <laughs> like a really easy example like dillinger's game plan right. like that band especially in their earlier works like that wouldn't exist without like uh like albert ayler and some guys who were just like playing music that was hard to crack and very challenging and intense and aggressive but it's like yeah it doesn't have to be all distorted guitars to do that right no exactly um so you have a brand new EP titled The House Always Wins that was released on November 1st. How's the overall reaction been to that? So far, really good. Um, people have listened to it, seem to like it a lot. I'm really proud of it. I've been sitting on it for a little while, kind of just putting things together, um, which I've been, I need to like step my work ethic up a little more again. Yeah. And I'm kind of getting the inspiration since I put this out, like I'm getting the fire back under me to do it. It's great. But uh, it's been great. I posted a little Instagram question after I put it out asking what people's favorite track was. And the one that I thought was the like easy odd duck of the group was the one the most people said they liked the most, which, which was uh, Bugatti. Oh, OK. And that to me was like the clear weirdo of the bunch because it's this song where like I wrote it because I played a chord and was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and then I was like, that kind of reminds me of like Bossa Nova music. I wonder if I could write a Bossa Nova song. Yeah. And that was the goal with writing that song. So right out the gate, kind of like not fitting the the rest of the, the mold, I guess, to an extent. But yeah, I was that was the one I thought was like the clear runaway is the weirdo track. And that was the one where the most people were like, that's my favorite. I'm like, that's weird. I really liked I liked Lone Star a lot. And I am not hard to find, I think. I think that was the other one I really liked on that one. I mean, I liked all of them. I, I listened to actually all your stuff, uh, the EPs and the, that full album, True Crime. All very awesome. good. Thank you. Yeah. Was, the was, EP from, there's like an old EP on Bandcamp too. I don't really, I don't really play that stuff. I don't like have an issue with any of it, but it's just so far in the past now that I don't even really think about those songs. But the stuff from 2020 on, I'm like super proud of. Yeah, I just got, I did the stuff on Spotify. So pe I think it's called Peng Chi. How do you say that? Peng Chi? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Sick. Okay. Thought I was going to butcher that. Which, uh, <laughs> fun fact about that EP so in 2020, I wrote and recorded that EP in its entirety in four hours. Oh, that's sick. Uh, not a single, not a single riff or lyric 
or anything was written prior to that. All six of those songs written and recorded in four hours. Damn, that's impressive. Holy shit. You sounded good on the whole thing, too. That's wild. What's I felt your... very good about that. It was definitely like a a streak of inspiration, and I kind of just pushed it to see how far I could take it. And before I knew it, I had six songs. And then I started a seven, and yeah. very quickly it was like, nope, the well's <laughs> run dry. I'm out of inspiration. This is not going anywhere. Six songs is great. That's fucking awesome. Do you have any like specific vocal remedies before you hit a studio or like a session? Well, I don't record in studio for this stuff at all. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure. What what I record on is what I'm talking to you on right now. I love um, that. I record it all on my iPhone. Uh, and then what I'll do is I'll, well, not on Pengchi, but on everything after that, I've done like multi-tracking and stuff. So I'll just record something in voice memos, import it all into Audacity on my desktop computer, yeah. and then align everything. And I just like do everything in this weird Frankenstein way. But the reason for this is that I don't prefer when like a solo artist sounds super polished. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm I'm sure there's exceptions to this, but like for me personally, for what I'm doing, I would hate the way that sounded. It wouldn't feel right for my music yeah and like the warmth of the room and the tone of the room and everything else that comes with it like that when i hear that shit and i put it all together i'm like no that's the right way so i do it this weird kind of backwards way but in a way that suits my style and there's just something about like that raw energy you get from a stripped down acoustic performance that you can't really replicate with electric or like a full band but you definitely right. have that perfect sound that just works for what you're doing. I, I agree fully, actually. I like the DIY approach. And like, you know, like you heard the EP, like on Lone Star, there's that electric guitar part. And that's just, again, I just yeah. re- recorded that on my phone through my amplifier. Uh, and then I, I was actually really happy about that. That's like <laughs> that fucking lead guitar part in Lone Star is like my favorite thing I've ever recorded because I used the delay pedal, did that lead, and then I double tracked it. And then when I imported it all into Audacity, I moved the two tracks like just like a fraction of a second apart. So adding like a little even more like delay or reverberation to it. And then when I listened back to it, I'm like, that sounds like I'm playing this riff on the top of a goddamn mountain. This (laughs) is fucking awesome. I love that. That's so awesome. How did you learn all that stuff? I wouldn't even know how to do that. All the Audacity stuff. Is that just YouTube tutorials or? It's just pretty, it's pretty easy. I guess I've just been fucking around with computers enough in my life to kind of have a sense of how it works. But if you just, you know, if you decide you want to do it, you sit there, you just start playing around and find out what you can do with it. Yeah. And then you kind of just go from there. Like, I feel like, um, you know, not knowing your limitations is what allows you to do a lot of stuff. And like, that's like Orson Welles said something about that, about uh, Citizen Kane, where he was like, Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. And that was like where my success came from was I didn't know what you couldn't do (laughs) and the things that people thought you couldn't do. I just decided to do. Right. Um, So did you grow up in the Cleveland area? Have you always lived there? Yeah. Um, I'd have to imagine. Yeah. Never, never left. Yeah. I'd have to imagine living in Ohio. You've probably seen some shit. Uh, What's some of the wildest things you've witnessed in that state? Well, I like to, um, 
I'm very I'm very happy of the fact that I'm from the cool part of Ohio. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of places in this state that are just pure dog shit that you never need to go to in your life. Right. Never need to visit. I like I always live in Cleveland or in like a neighboring suburb, like real close by. Right. Um, and moved around a lot because we were poor. So mm. I don't know. In terms of like crazy shit i've seen in cleveland i can't think of too much that like really i'm trying to think but like nothing really jumps out where i was like oh that could only happen here you know like <laughs> right that's good though i don't know just real life i guess i mean i've i've always loved going to cleveland i've gone there so many times for shows and shit but yeah i was just curious that's funny um so let's see here how sick of a Christmas story and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are you at this point? <laughs> I'm just so uh, so wildly indifferent to both those things. Like a Christmas story is fine. Uh, yeah, I'm not the person who like needs to go to the house. And no, no disrespect to anyone who does. Yeah, I understand the fandom behind pretty much anything. It's a, I don't think it's a bad movie by any means, but it's just like, yeah, I've seen it. I like it. It's not my favorite Christmas movie. Never was. Yeah. Um, the Rock Hall is like very cool for the shows they'll put on during the summer. Yeah. They'll do like outdoor concert series and they'll have, um, and, and they, you know, they've been doing that for a long time. Like, <laughs> I guess I like a Spital Field play yeah. there when I was 16 and oh, liked sick. that stuff a lot. <laughs> That's um, awesome. So that was fun. But yeah, like, so th that I'll, I'll give that to the Rock Hall. Like, it's cool that there's that stuff from it. During the summers, they have these shows that are outdoors. You get to go see. It's a lot of fun. Um, and it always sounds good. It's a cool spot. The last time I like actually went inside the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was, I think, the first time I ever went. And that was, you know, now probably 20 years ago or something. Oh, I, I just haven't really, haven't really needed to go back. Right. Yeah, I think they just need more space. There's a lot of great bands that don't get showcased there that should. You know. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole... That's the whole rub about the entire concept of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's yeah. like how many, you know, how many years do they like nominate artists who don't get inducted? And it's like, why? Why why are we leaving any of these out if they're yeah. good enough to even just like why be so choosy about stuff that clearly was that impactful? Just put them the fuck in. What are we doing? What's right. the point of this? No, exactly. And I swear they had like one artifact. They might have had like one hat from Leonard Skinnerd. I'm like, come on, it's Leonard Skinner. <laughs> so much more there. Yeah, I, I just know. like I feel I feel the same way about like all types of award shows and things like that, where it's like, yeah. dude, I don't need some fucking panel of old white people to determine <laughs> who does and doesn't get the accolades. I don't give a fuck what the yeah. fucking Grammys think. I don't give a fuck what the fucking Oscars think. None of these people matter. They don't mean anything. They're not in touch with reality. They yeah. pick and choose from a fucking small batch that's their small, truly small window of the world. Yeah. And then they decide what is and isn't great enough. And it's like, what the fuck have these people ever done? Who cares what they think? They're not the <laughs> ones out here making anything of any fucking cultural significance. Fuck so em. true. <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> um, do you ever go to Milt, that that uh, sandwich spot in Cleveland? It's falling off hard, ma'am. It's falling it? off hard. No yeah. way. It used to be pretty bomb when it first started, but they expanded and, you know, it's it's a kind of a known thing in Cleveland. We're like, eh, quality's gone down over the years and it's just not really what it used to be. 
I used to like going there quite a bit, though. I, I think a lot of people kind of got burnt out on it, but um, they used to do a thing where they give people like, I don't know if they still do this, but they gave people like 10% off for life cards if they got a melt tattoo. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With like the wings on it? Yeah, or like it could be pretty much anything you wanted. It just had to have like the grilled cheese kind of thing in some capacity. (laughs) Um, And I I know uh, many people who who got a melt tattoo. I'm pretty glad to not have been one of them. Though I guess if you're going to get some dumb tattoo, a grilled cheese sandwich, you you can't really go wrong with that. It was like 10% off though. That's it. Yeah, but it's like for life, so I guess that's kind of cool if you eat there a lot. But then again, like, I don't know. I don't know how many people who got those tattoos are still going there on a regular basis. Right. I feel like it should have been at least like twenty percent though. Ten percent's nothing. And how much? <laughs> and how much did the tattoo cost you? Like, how long did it take for you to actually right. pay that off with melt sandwiches? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like a lifetime. Yeah, that's so funny. I had a weird dream actually like last night about getting a tattoo. I'm not even kidding. Cause I've like never wanted tattoos for some reason. I just like don't want to get any. Cause I, I know like once I start, I won't be able to stop. And I had a weird dream that like I was getting one and I was freaking out about it. <laughs> and that's all I can remember. Do you know, uh, have you ever heard the band? Have you ever heard the band dead bars from Seattle? No. What are they? Are they like hardcore? No, they're like, um, they're just a really fucking rocking band. Uh, they I, they play fest this year. They usually play fest. They're fucking great. They're one of my... That's a band I should have mentioned when you asked me what I listen to. That's a band that I love to death. They're just like really fucking good, like punk, but like really rooted in like bands like Guided by Voices. And yeah. they just put on an incredible show. But they have a song where he talks about all oh, my friends have tattoos, but I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> and uh what's the line he says something like uh uh they all want to remember something and i want to forget everything oh that's awesome <laughs> uh, yeah that's that's but that this dude is just i didn't realize you were a no tattoo guy you gotta listen to that song that's your jam well i think it's mainly because i want to do film and stuff and like acting and i i guess these days like they're they're much better at covering that shit up but i don't know i also like i said i feel like if i don't if i start doing that i won't stop and I'll be like Toby from H2O, like head to toe. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I, yeah, I heard you I'm, went to Fest. I'm I was... overdue. Sorry? I was just going to say, I'm, uh, it's been like a few years since my last one. I got one on a collar. And it's been, uh, I've been getting the itch again. It's been a long time. Right. It's got to be pricey, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Cause I, and I always go to someone who's like good and charges what they should, yeah. but I'm not going to like spend, like, Good tattoos ain't cheap. Cheap tattoos ain't good. And fuck right. that. I'm not putting some piece of shit on my body for the rest of my life. You can't torrent a good tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I heard you went to Fest. How was Fest? I'm fucking jealous. Fest I wanna, is awesome. I want to go so bad. Fucking best. Have you never been? I've never been, but I know a lot of friends who played it. It's, uh, it's in terms of a music festival, it's the best. It's the best one. It's almost all in, in, there's like a, a couple outdoor stages. Yeah. Um, but it's all like in venues for the most part, you're all in clubs and they're all within walking distance of each other. So right. you're seeing all these bands. Cause I don't, I don't love an outdoor music festival cause the sound always kind of sucks and the environment just isn't that fun for me. 
Yeah. Um, like I'll have a I'll have a good time depending on who's playing and all, but like it's just not the same. And this is like the best of both worlds where you still get to see bands and clubs the way you want to see them, and then one after another and bouncing from club to club. And you just, you know, if you know people, you're going down there and seeing all your friends from all over the fucking country and world and all in one place, which is just the best to be walking down the street and running into people constantly for three days. Um, Yeah, it's by far my favorite, like, music festival. I think it's the best one. I go as much as I can. I got to play last year. That was, like, one of the greatest moments of my life, for sure. That's so cool. Um, And I was... uh, I was, you know, I wanted to play this year, but it was also kind of nice to just not have to worry about that and just get to go down this time and, and just not have any responsibilities except for taking care of myself and making sure neither me nor my partner got hurt or sick or anything. Um, right. So, yeah, it was it was great. A lot of great bands, a lot of great people had an awesome time. Did you catch that band perspective, a lovely hand to hold? No, I never I need to listen to them, though, because I know some people are really into them. Yeah. Um, I did see Strike Anywhere twice, so that's good for me. Uh, oh, that's that's cool. one of my all-time favorite bands. Um, and uh, actually, a band that I saw that I loved uh, was called No Man, and uh, they played. So Strike Anywhere, like I said, played two sets, and one of them was at the big outdoor stage. The other one was at like a smaller indoor club the next day. So that one, I was like, well. I definitely want to be there for that. I want right. to see them in the intimate venue. I'm going to get there early so I can make sure I can like be up front during their set. Cause I like to get in the mix. Uh, even though I'm 35, uh, right. I still, yeah. <laughs> still like to be a young, dumb punk kid. Yeah. Um, and so got there early and I'm so glad we did. Cause the band before them was no man who I'd never heard. Uh, and they were one of the, one of those things like a, walk in to see a random band and just get completely blown away they were super heavy um and they had a big banner behind them when they played that had all these names listed in the singer uh in between songs or before their set even she was like these are like the banner was covered like behind the drums with names and it was like these are all palestinian children who have been murdered who have been killed in the last several days all of them five years old or younger and it wow. filled the entire fucking sheet and Holy it just like shit. sucked the soul out of me uh like you know got tears in my eyes just like sitting right. there looking at that shit um and it was like you know that's what punk rock is fucking for uh at the end of the day to me above all else there's so much good shit that comes with punk rock and so much shit i love but at the end of the day, if you don't have a real meaning or a message, you know, you're not you're not really using it for what it's for. And that was something where I was like glad to see someone using it for what it's for and speaking out about something that's really, really important. So that was cool to see. And just like I said, the band just completely fucking ripped. They were super heavy, insane sounding, uh, just loved them. So that was my like good surprise set of the year. No, absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, they're called No Man. One word. Two words. Two word. Okay. All right. Cool. I'm gonna check them out. Uh, did was uh Wilhelm's a Wilhelm scream there this year or like Suicide Machines? Uh, I think Suicide Machines might have played, but I didn't see him. Wilhelm was not there this year. Okay. They're coming to town next month. I'll probably be there. That's a band I've seen 
a trillion times um, <laughs> because they rip and yeah, like because <laughs> they're awesome. And I yeah, I'm a big Wilhelm scream fan. I I actually uh, when I was like I, there was a period of time where I was pretty into record collecting. Eventually, I stopped because it started feeling more like a burden than anything else. Yeah. Uh, but I did own. I do own five different pressings of the album Career Suicide by a Wilhelm Scream. That's, that's the best one. <laughs> it is. It's an undeniably great record. Oh, man, that's awesome. Do you know uh, Suicide File? Love that. Actually, let me see. Yeah. Hold on. Yes. I love it. Yeah, I got it right here. No way. Ah, oh, no way. Yo, ready? Check this out. <laughs> Yes. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay. yeah I, I love, love that uh, band so much. I love wearing this shirt too because I'll wear it and people who don't know the band will look at it and they'll be like, hell yeah, I agree. They'll <laughs> 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 see fuck fuck news and they're like, yeah, fuck those people. I love it. They are racist. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I fucking love Suicide File. That's that's one of the bands from that era that aged so well. Like those those records, like I'd still listen to them. They still sound good. They still sound fresh. Like Yeah. And that was like a kind of a funny trend in hardcore that happened for a little bit where like there was a handful of bands that really started to be like, let's do rock and roll rips in hardcore. Yeah. And not everyone pulled it off. Not everyone nah. was that good at doing it, but they fucking <laughs> and like and like it's hard to do that without getting real cheesy. And they somehow managed to not feel cheesy at all while yeah. playing very much like rock blues riffs almost. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they uh, I love the Suicide File. Great band. All those bands from that time, like American Nightmare. So good. That's one of my all time favorite bands. So uh, got to see them a bunch throughout the years. Um like during their original run, I got to see them a handful of times. I'm very fortunate for that for sure. What was their like other name that they had to go under? Can't give up the ghost or give up the ghost? Give up the ghost. And actually, <laughs> if I dig in my thing, I'll find another one too. The fun fact when they had to change their name from American Nightmare for about two months, maybe three, <laughs> they went by American Nothing. Yeah. No way. And I own. And I own an American Nothing shirt from when I saw them touring around that time. Oh, wow. That's sick. And and the tour I saw them on, (laughs) this was in like a 500 capacity room. Yeah. Here's the fucking bands from first to last that played from start to finish. I can't wait. First band. This band that no no one really knew touring off their very first album called Coheed and Cambria. Wow. (laughs) First band. Second band, this band that not really anybody knew called the Blood Brothers. Oh, and this is no way. Be- and this is before Burn Piano Island Burn. I think Burn Piano Island oh, Burn maybe came out somewhere between three to six months after that or something like that. Yeah. So they had yet to put that out yet. Oh, then American record. Nightmare. Then American Nightmare played. And then. Uh, headlining was Glassjaw off of uh, Worship and Tribute had just come out. Holy fuck. And I probably paid $15 for that show. And wow. it was in a 500 capacity room, like it, it, like a, a festival lineup today. 
that's one of those I look back on where I'm like, man, I'm fucking lucky to have been there. That's fucking insane. Yeah, burn, yeah. burn, burn, piano, island, burn is a great record. Love it. Two thousand three, right? Yeah, I think so. That sounds yeah. right. Yeah, I remember it. It's so good. I think Frank Euro from MCR was like super influenced by that when they were writing Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That's very cool. I remember he was like talking about it on like a podcast. He was like in France or like Paris or something. He was just like walking around. Like he was like lost for like an entire day and he was just listening to that album on, on a loop. <laughs> it was just so gutsy and like it just was so like it was so uncool. I'd, yeah. Like it didn't conform to any of the fucking rules. It's so spastic and chaotic. Some of the yeah. songs, what the meanings are very transparent, and some of them are just you can't convince me they mean anything. Yeah. Some of them are just pure gibberish. But it's cool. Like it's fun, and I I like that. I think that it's just like a fun fun way to use turns of phrases and weird shit for the sake of doing it, which I, I think was great. Yeah, I was I was com- from that show. I became immediately a gigantic fan of both Coheed and Blood Brothers, like immediately. It was just like fully on board with both those bands. Right. Yeah, it's cool. They made like their own little art form for themselves with their their sound. It's so cool. Yeah, because like you can hear kind of the elements of other like it's cause it was like it almost felt like the screamo of that time, but yeah. it wasn't quite as heavy or crazy as a band like Satia or Page 99 or City of Caterpillar. Right. But it was also like it was also like way more flamboyant, which especially in you know hardcore can be very uncool a lot of the times to the wrong crowds who are can be very jockish and put off by that stuff. And they just they didn't give a shit. They didn't care. They yeah. were doing what they knew was awesome. And fuck you if you didn't like it, <laughs> which is the that. I, that's the mentality to have when you're making art. You can't worry about people's expectations or what they think you should or shouldn't do. Make it the way you want to make it. And if it's good, it'll it'll hold up. Absolutely. Um, did you play any sports growing up? Sports? Yeah. Yeah, I played football in middle school for one year. And it was fine. It just wasn't for me right. uh, enough to want to stick with it. And, like, I didn't come from the kind of family that would make me do anything like that. It was my choice. Yeah. Um, but I just wasn't into it enough to stick with it. My, my, and that was about it. Like, my sporting was always like skateboarding and going to shows. Like, that's like, cause I started going to shows at a very young age and that became my like fucking religion immediately. It was like, this is all I care about. This is all I want to do. Is like, I started my first band when I was like 13. We started playing shows shortly after that. Yeah. Like, we, we were bad. We were fucking terrible. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but like, it was, that was, that was, that was sports. That was like everything I cared about was doing music, making art, going to see bands as much as humanly possible. That's, that's the only way, seriously. The name, the house of wills is named after a funeral home in Ohio, right? So there's a funeral home with that name. And then there's also this, um, building on East 55th in Cleveland. I used to live near, I I guess I actually still live kind of close to there. Um, but actually maybe equidistant, that doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, it's this like abandoned place that, uh, used to be a funeral home or like a hospital at one point. Yeah. Um, and it is now owned by, I think, uh, some guy from the church of Satan has owned it for a number of years and they do tours and stuff there. Um, the reason I picked it was simply that when I started getting heavy into doing acoustic music again, 
in like the 20 mid 2010s. Uh, my good friend, Max Stern from signals Midwest. He was like, Oh, you should call it something because it's easier to get shows playing and stuff. Like instead of going by your own name, it's a lot easier to like get eyes on what you're doing and to book shows and stuff when you basically trick people into thinking you're a band. Um, <laughs> and so that's precisely what I did. But because I lived by there, I would ride past it to go to work every single day. And it's just this like fucked up, big, kind of mystifying looking building. And I just thought like, oh, that's cool. That That's a good name. And so that was the name. That's fucking awesome. Um, Let's see here. So when did you first fall in love with music? Was there any anything specific that your parents were playing that got you hooked in your early days? I can tell you the exact moment I fell in love with music. I know the exact moment in time when it happened. And I'm very grateful for that because my memory is dog shit. So <laughs> it's nice to have those moments that you can still hold on to. Um, my mom and my two brothers would uh watch saturday night live every week together mm. and i'd always fall asleep before it ended because i was a child and um right in 1994 i think it was um we were watching saturday night live and the band that performed was green day i was just about and, to say green day <laughs> yeah and i was immediately like i don't know what the fuck this is all i know is i want more and all of it and that was it um and like and so we me and my older brother rest in peace passed away this year um me and my older brother steven we would we started like buying we were poor as fuck so mm -hmm. any tape we bought we were our tapes we shared them we did not have our own music collections there was right. a shared collection um but we started getting really happy into it because we would listen to the radio and in Cleveland at the time, we had a radio station called 107.9 The End. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was like Cleveland's alternative rock music station. And you can imagine the the radio bumpers of 107.9 The End. The like, end. super cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so, they, and that's like, and dude, that's when like, they started playing Self-Esteem by The Offspring around that time. And we're like, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. Then we got the first two pieces of music we ever bought were Dookie and Smash. The same day, uh, which is cool because Smash was on Epitaph Records. Now, granted, it sold like five million fucking copies in like a month or something insane. But I can say that of the first two tapes I bought, the first day I ever bought music, one of those tapes was on a fucking independent record label. Pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, which I, is I, the label like that's the record that made Epitaph Records like a big deal because they were just the label that Bad Religion owned and ran to put out their own stuff and then they started putting out some other stuff and then smash came out sold millions of copies no one expected that to happen that way and right. all of a sudden epitaph became this like huge record label out of nowhere which is a cool story but were any of your family members like musically in inclined anybody play any instruments no one really played instruments uh my mom was definitely like very into music but she was into music from her time um yeah. And, and, you know, I, being young and getting into punk early, which even when I first started listening to punk, I didn't know that's what it was called. Um, I just knew I liked rock music. Yeah. But um, it wasn't until I got the tape The Grey Race by Bad Religion in 96, and there's a song called Punk Rock Song, and it was my eureka moment where I was like, oh, this is punk rock. That's yeah. what I've been listening to this whole time. Oh, that means I'm a punk. Holy shit. 
but my mom was big on like Led Zeppelin and the Stones and Springsteen. And so yeah. I wrote all that shit off. I was like, that stuff sucks. It's for parents. It's <laughs> bullshit. And then when I was like 17, one day I had to go to my mom and, and eat some fucking crow. Cause I was like, yeah, mama. Well, I just listened to Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen and it's uh, one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. So I'm sorry <laughs> I didn't listen to you sooner. And now I love all those bands. I'm a big fan right. of, well, at least a certain era of the Stones. I'm a big fan of most of Springsteen stuff. So my uh... Neil Young was another big one and I wasn't a fan when I was young, but now he's one of my favorite artists of all time. So right, mom was right about some stuff. My mom's first show was Zeppelin, actually. That's a great first show. It really is. Yeah. Although I always tell my mom, I'm like, you didn't, you, I'm like, you fucked up because like my mom didn't play me like Exile on Main Street by the Stones. Like, I'm like, you kind of like hid the good records from me for too long. You should have showed me the good stuff and maybe I would have got on board sooner. But to be honest, right. I probably would have just written that shit off too. What was your first ist- instrument? Was it, was it guitar? Like piano? Uh, Cello, actually. Oh. I played nice. cello for, I was like three years, I think like fifth, sixth and seventh grade. Nice. And then I gave it up and that's authentically one of my biggest regrets because I just didn't see how I could apply it to music I liked. Yeah. I like couldn't see outside the box of classical. Yeah. Um, even though I was like sitting there truly learning how to play come as you are on cello and stuff, <laughs> like I didn't put two and two together that I could just do my own thing with it. And then years later, I heard that uh, there's a band called Bad Astronaut. It's a side project of Joey from Lagwagon and a bunch of other people. Oh, sweet. Uh, and they have a cellist in that group. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, fuck. Ah, I could have, because <laughs> I love the way that instrument sounds. So I think it's one of the most beautiful instruments. Yeah. So yeah, I wish I would have stuck with it. But yeah, cello was first. And then and then I got an electric guitar a few years later. Sick. Yeah, I, I, I did uh, trombone for like fourth and fifth grade. But that was way before I found ska music. (laughs) That would have been, I would have stuck with it too, probably for like real big fish. (laughs) You know what? Now that you mention it, like in fifth grade, when they were like introducing instruments to us and like, oh, you can start learning how to play. I wanted to play trumpet, but I like, I couldn't figure out how to make my mouth shape the way they were telling me. It just didn't make any fucking sense to me. I just couldn't do it. So they were like, okay, well, why don't you just try a stringed instrument instead? And I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one thing about like a a blowing instrument, though. It's kind of weird and gross with like the mouthpieces. It just gets nasty. Spit. It's a lot of spit. Yeah, but you also just get like this weird metal like taste in your mouth, which sucks. Yeah. yeah it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's see here. So yeah, what about punk music? Is it is it just Green Day? Like, were there any other gateway bands into that world, or just kind of Green Day, Bad Religion? So Green Day and the Offspring were the first two big ones. That was okay. like the um, initial introduction. And I like I said, I I didn't know it was punk. I didn't. I just knew it was music I liked. Yeah. Um. And then like another big album for me that came out around that time was Pinkerton by Weezer. Yeah. Um. Which I didn't know until many years later was like this gigantic flop of a record commercially and critically i got that on tape the week it came out and i was like this is one of the best records i've ever heard in my life (laughs) and i still feel the same way about it as a 35 year old adult that i did as an eight-year-old child like i still love it just as much now as i did then 
Uh, so, you know, all the rock critics who dismissed it, eat shit. I was right. I was a Fuck child. <laughs> and you didn't know anything. You couldn't see the future the way I could. But um, so that was like fun to learn as I got older. But like, um, so what we would do is because, like I said, we're poor. So and this, you know, being poor really affects what you get access to and how you get access to those things. Yeah. We would occasionally get to do a Columbia House membership deal. You remember those? Not really, no. What's that? So it was this like mail order records thing. Oh, okay. Where it was like buy ten cassette tapes for the price of one plus shipping and handling. Okay, yeah, I do. And my brother and I would just watch MTV. Uh and then for like a couple years our cable network, our cable provider had much music, which is Canadian MTV essentially. Yeah. Um and that was awesome because we found out pretty quickly much music played better stuff. They played like stuff yeah. you wouldn't see on MTV. So we would just buy tapes based off what we saw on there. One of those, one of those songs we saw was uh, the song, a walk by bad religion off the gray race. And so we bought that tape as part of like the 10 tapes. And then that tape kind of just like collected dust for a year or so. Like I just didn't end up touching it. Didn't yeah. listen to it. And then when I listened to it, like I'll never forget. I get chills like thinking about it. Cause like I put it in and just from the first, burn, the first note, and then the vocals kick in and the shitty saying is like so above my like level of intelligence at this time. I'm looking at the lyrics with the dictionary thesaurus combo, trying to understand what he's saying. Um, and it was like faster and better and smarter than all of the bands I'd been listening to. Uh, and I was like, oh, well, Green Day was Green Day is my favorite band. And then I listened to that tape. And then by the end of that tape, I was like, Green Day was my favorite band, and now it's Bad Religion. Yeah. Uh, and then that was it. So that was like, and like I said, that because of that record, I learned it was called punk rock. So that was a huge thing. The other like big revelatory moment in my life was maybe age 12. Uh, my best friend growing up, Scott Carey, he lived a street and three houses down from me. This guy moves in next door to him, and he's pretty cool, younger adult. And he plays in a band. We're like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, you should come see our band. Like, I'll put you guys on the guest list. Being, like, super nice and encouraging. Like, yeah, we love going to shows and stuff. Right. And when we saw them, they, they were a band that was on a label that we didn't know anything about at the time called Victory Records. <laughs> and the band was called Run Devil Run. And they were Krishna Core. They were a Hare Krishna band. They were hardcore. And they were all Krishna, much like uh, Shelter. Uh, or uh, I think 108 was also Krishna core. Uh, one of the <laughs> silliest trends to ever happen in hardcore was when <laughs> Hari Krishna became like a trend. So weird. <laughs> but, um, but these dudes were super nice and they ripped. And I remember literally like going to see them with my buddy mm -hmm. and then actually having the conversation in his basement after the show being like, well, it's not punk. It's not metal. It's like, I don't know what we just saw. I don't know what that was. And then we found out that it was hardcore. And that was like the next revelation in my life where I was like, oh, well, now I love hardcore. And now right. I got to get into this and, and start buying all these records and going to all these shows. Right. So like, that was like a very, Run Double Run. And uh, Don Foos is his name. He still does music. Uh, shouts out to him because he definitely like opened a lot of doors in my life through that kindness. No, Absolutely. What would you say are like your main musical influences for the House of Wills? Like, is there any, um, anybody you're trying to emulate at any point? 
I mean, the obvious one is that I don't ever try to run away from is the Mountain Goats. Yeah. Like, that band completely changed my life as a kid and like completely made me rethink lyric writing and what you could do with that and how you could do so much with so little, especially his like earlier stuff that's just him and a tape like recording into a boom box. Like that was like, I-, I had never heard anything like that done that way that affected me so deeply. Like, like the first time I listened to them, it was like, it felt like my life changed. Like it was like that moment where I was like, Oh, nothing will ever be the same now. And it was yeah. true. So that's a big one. And I just don't pretend it's not, I don't try to rip off the dude's style. It's obviously a big influence of what I do. Right. And when people tell me, Something I've done reminds me of them. I always take that as a compliment. Right. Um, a big influence for me is hip hop music. I listen to a lot of hip hop music. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely drop sly, ref- sometimes subtle, sometimes not so subtle references. Uh, Ready to Die, obviously, is the pretty obvious uh, Biggie Smalls reference. I heard, I heard uh, a, gr- a Griselda sample at one point. <laughs> yeah. Well, that song, that's off of uh, the true crime record I did. Yeah. Uh, there's the, uh, and that's from, so that song Brick on that uh, album that I wrote is uh, a song about a West Side Gun song. Yeah. Uh, it's about the last track on Pray for Paris, where he talks about going to Fashion Week in Paris with Virgil Abloh and watching uh, Virgil Abloh like play Griselda while people were walking down the runway and Cartier Williams, who's a tap dancer, tap dancing to the, to the song. And so I wrote a song about West side gun going to uh fashion week in Paris for the first time and getting to experience this and like kind of like a look where we came from and look where we are now story. Yeah. Um, and then, so at the end of that song, the sample that's played is from fashion week in Paris when they're playing Griselda while Cartier Williams tap dances on the on the runway on the catwalk, right? I've uh, I've always wondered about like the whole sampling thing. Like, can you get sued for that? Or do I, I notice a lot of people use samples? Like, is that is that something that's easy to do without people giving you issues with it? I'll t- I'll, I'll tell you what I'm uh, if and when I'm bigger big enough for anyone to notice. And start <laughs> right, giving me a hard time for it. Um, I've I noticed know big bands to, do like, it though. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like laws around it and rules about what you can and can't. Um, actually, one of my top five favorite records of all time is responsible for those laws. And that's uh, Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys, their uh-huh. second album, because it's like literally hundreds of samples in that record, just densely packed in. Yeah. And uh, it, they like sampling laws ended up happening as a result of how that record was made, which is pretty funny. Um <laughs> And it's kind of bullshit because I, I, I art, art should be for the fucking people. And if you're not just completely wholesale taking someone's work and using it as your own, fuck you. I did something different with it. I took it and manipulated it or edited it, used a piece of it, and then did something different with that. Like, why yeah. would you want to stop that if, in, except for to prevent great art from being made in a creative fashion? All right. No, I totally agree. Especially and now that's for, an like, issue a with song. a lot of, uh, you'll see, hip-hop producers talk about this online and stuff with no sample snitching people will be like where's that sample from like where did you get that sample from and they're they're tight-lipped about it now because like we don't want the song to get taken down we don't want someone to get in their feelings about it and decide yeah. that they're they don't want that to be up on streaming platforms anymore and oh you used our sample so now it's like you have to be kind of uh 
clever about it and tight lipped, which sucks. It shouldn't it shouldn't be an issue at all. Yeah, what if you get caught like using a fucking movie movie scene or something, and then they catch you, and you're just like, "Hey, no, no, no! I re-recorded that myself. I just made myself sound just like it." <laughs> <laughs> like, can they can they prove it? <laughs> I'm sure there's ways. I'm sure the science has got. I do know this that when I was um, releasing my new EP, there's a clip from Joe Para, the show Joe Para talks with you, which yeah. is a, a show I fucking love so deeply. Shouts out to Joe Para. He's one of the greatest people in comedy. Um, but before Ready to Die, he's that clip. And uh, Flower Pot Records, who's, who put out the EP, they had to have me upload it under the uh, distributor that I use because their distributor was way more strict about stuff like that and was like <laughs> considered it an uncleared sample. Whereas uh, the distributor I use, Dis- DistroKid, apparently doesn't give a shit about any of that stuff. So it, they, they didn't say anything about it. And so I just uploaded it on my own uh, that way. But yeah. So it there they it can be tricky. So this this next question probably won't really apply to you, but I was gonna ask if you ever get demoitis, um, when you like record stuff. But obviously you don't. You probably don't really demo stuff, huh? Oh, I do. I I do, oh, do. and I and I and I definitely do get demoitis, <laughs> and that's like it's tough. <laughs> that, that's why I've had to like, and I need to start doing this again. But that's like that was what inspired me doing Pengchi, that six song EP, because I have fucking years worth of songs that no one's ever heard because i just got tired of them before i ever committed to recording them and putting them out on a record and that's fucking stupid (laughs) that is like not giving anyone else a chance to decide and that's just like and you know i know when a song doesn't make the cut but if i'm tired of it because i've demoed it and listened to it a thousand times it's like well no i just listened to it too much it doesn't mean it's not good i should have just put it out so when i did panky it was like to kind of break the cycle of me doing that I'm just going to sit down, write and record what I can, put it out immediately and never look back. And then that way. And then so with the full length, I started kind of writing stuff, demoing it, and then pretty quickly after recording it, just so I get it out of the way. And I need to start doing that again. But I have so much material written for the next release that I've been sitting on. And I've already decided, like, I'm not letting that stuff go to waste. I am going to record it. And if I don't, if it doesn't all make the record, that's fine. I'll find another use for the rest of the songs. But I got to start doing that because, yeah, demo itis is very real. You, you start to get burned <laughs> out on your own ideas. It is. And I, I even meant just like, like once you record it again, like it not sounding as good as the original. And like you got, oh, you got it sure. in your mind like, oh, shit, I got to I got to replicate that. And if I don't, what's the point? You know, that's that's that was the other thing with Penky was that like, um, the uh, the Mountain Goats record, All Hail West Texas, one of my all time favorite records. Uh, every song on that record, you're he like he, it, while he was making that record, his mentality was like, I'm gonna write these songs. If I don't get a recording of that song by the end of the day, it doesn't go on the record. Right. So every song on that record, you're listening to it the day that song was written, and there is a certain level of urgency and immediacy that you can't recapture if you don't do it that way and when you do it that way, there is a certain level of like immediacy to what you're doing that I think that kind of is, you do, you do benefit from that. And I would like to start getting back into that a little more. No, for sure. And as long as like the release that you have, like your collection of songs, at least, at least there's like a couple songs you're really stoked on. You can't be stressing about the couple that you're not as stoked on, you know, just keep, just put them out. Right. And it's like, like I said, like there'll always be enough songs. It's just, if you don't, 
you, it's like almost for me, it's always like when I pick what goes together, it's like what plays together, what makes sense to put together. And there yeah. might be two songs that are a little too similar that I don't want on the same record. But it's like, but that song can go on something else later. That could be on an EP. I can use that for a compilation right. or something somewhere. It doesn't mean it's not a good song. It's just like it just didn't fit with that set as well as the other song did. So I put that one in instead. Right. And just, yeah, not letting, like, good songs go to waste is good. But also not being afraid to say this song doesn't cut it and throwing it away. Because I'll yeah. write shit and throw it out all the time. And I think that's also a good and healthy practice is just to be like, nope, not good enough. I right. just, and that's okay. Every song you write doesn't have to be perfect or a banger. Same. It's, it's, sometimes you got to get some bad ideas out to get to the good ones. Sometimes you got to write three or four bad songs or mediocre songs. And then you get a wave of inspiration that allows you to write three or four great songs. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of good. There's a lot of pros and cons of being hypercritical of yourself and being able to say, like, like you said, like, no, it doesn't cut it or, you know, that's that's definitely smart. You got to just be aware of, like, what works and what doesn't. And you obviously are. So that's good. Um, So what's your typical... I'm very, like, big on. Uh, sorry, I was just like, I'm I, I, I really like my releases to be something that. I want if people people listen to them however they want, but I always make them in mind of them being front to back things. Yeah. They're not just a collection of songs. It's something where I put a lot of thought into the sequencing. I put yeah. a lot of thought into what songs make it. And I want them to all be one cohesive piece that fit together lyrically, stylistically, thematically, whatever it is. Like yeah. the new EP is the same way where like there was originally a different for uh ready to die was actually the most recent song for that ep mm. and the other song i had i just knew wasn't wasn't right and that there was something missing and it needed that one and i wrote that song and when i wrote that song, i was like now that's the one and i took the other song out and put that one in and immediately it made way more sense to me where i'm like oh now this release is right so the other song got got scrapped or pushed to later yeah it got scrapped because it was an old song to begin with and I still, I might put it out on something at some point. Cause I still have like the finished recording of it that I like multi-tracked and did some stuff with. And it's cool. It's a little different. It's a little weird. Um, it's like kind of a low key song. It almost sounds a little bit like the national or something. Yeah. Um, uh, so I might do something with it eventually. I'm not like burying it forever, but like it just, it, it needed that. It needed a ready to die it needed that kind of like really upbeat kind of like poppy catchy song and yeah. also like and also the lyrics just fit the rest of the themes of the ep better because that ep is full of like paranoia and fear and yeah. uh and and crime and drug running and and such and like yeah. it needed something to fit that mold a little better and ready to die fit that mold a, a fuck of a lot better than the, the other song no, nah, close it out perfectly for sure. Um, what are, what are your thoughts on like artists that release just singles and then just like throw one song out at a time and they don't ever really do like a collection, like an EP or something? If if that's what you want to do, that's awesome. Um, I couldn't do that because yeah. like that's just not how my brain works. Um, but I don't I don't mind it. I think I, you know to each their own kind of thing, I guess. But it's just that's never going to be my process. Yeah. If anything, if I felt like I was getting anywhere near there, I would just start releasing EPs every four months instead and yeah. just put stuff out that way. But 
I mean, you know, if it works for you, it works for you. I guess it kind of depends on what style of music you do, too. I think that works a lot better for certain styles than others. Like pop. Um, yeah, yeah, stuff like yeah, that. For sure. But even then, I'm always like, I'm the type of listener where I'm like, give me a record. Give me an EP. Give me something. Same. Yeah. Collection. Yeah, it's just especially, not as exciting. Especially when a band's been gone for a while, like Paint It Black just put out their new thing, and it's like so, so good. Hype. One so of the good. greatest bands, one of the fucking best hardcore bands. But it's like, damn, y'all. It's been like 10 years since your last thing. You can only give us like, what, eight songs? Like, Come on, man. <laughs> but it's Come so on, good. You like it, though, right? Oh, it's fucking oh, yeah, incredible. It's incredible. They got, so that's, a, that's a band with no misses right there in their entire discography. They've never, Perfect. they've never, never taken a misstep once. I forgot what the green record is called, but that's my favorite. The one from like uh, five. Paradise. Paradise. Yeah, fucking so good. I'm a I love that record. I'm a I'm a new Lexicon fan. Okay. That's that's the one for me with uh because they had that dude from Dalek produce it. And okay. so there's all those like fucking crazy interludes. <laughs> um which I when that record came out, a friend of mine disliked the interludes so much that he cut them from his mp3s and like made the album without them and at the time i got legitimately mad at him about this where i was like you can't fucking do that to someone else's work that's not your decision to remove what they decided (laughs) like i had nothing to do with the creation of this record i don't know why i cared so deeply but to be fair he did come back to me later on down the line and was like, yeah, you were right about that. I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't fair. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> what's, what, what's been like the most rewarding aspect of playing and releasing music to the world? Um, the reason I wanted to ever do it in the first place was because I wanted to make stuff that could connect with people the way the stuff I love connected with me. Like when I was a kid and having a fucking hard life and feeling super depressed all the time and listening to background music by American nightmare on repeat and reading those lyrics and feeling like less alone in this fucking miserable ass world. Like I wanted to be able to do that for someone else and uh, just connecting with people, meeting people like that's the greatest gift punk rock has given me is community. I guess a sense of purpose, a community, people. I'm still, and because I refuse to be a fucking old head, I'm still meeting people. I'm still playing with young bands in their early 20s or even younger sometimes. I always feel like so grateful that they would welcome me, someone in their 30s, into their fold too and embrace what I do. Yeah. Um, that to me is, that's the most rewarding thing easily. It's just like when someone tells you, Oh, I really like this lyric. Like that's my favorite because I I think so much about the words when I'm writing my stuff. Yeah, I focus so heavily on the lyrics. So when people connect with things or or catch a reference I made to something that I, I, no one no one else caught, stuff like that is like that's really 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 rewarding for sure. I just caught an acoustic set from Vinny from the movie Life and I Am the Avalanche the other day, and I definitely noticed how awkward it gets in between songs. Do you ever experience that when you play live? Like, like, especially if you're tuning, (laughs) if you see me, if you see me live, you'll understand that it's not something I deal with at all. Um, cause I, I make it a point to, to really put on a show and, and differentiate myself from being just like a solo artist with the guitar playing there. I like to talk a lot of shit. I like to talk 
to people. And I, I say talk shit in a good or bad way, like not necessarily being hateful, but just like, I just like to run my mouth and interact with people and make it fun and make it engaging yeah. and try to like, I just eliminate any fucking aspect of like doubt or fear from my mind. And I just, if I look stupid, I look stupid. I don't care. Right. Um, and, and because of that, I think people like to see me play live as a solo artist a lot because of that. Cause it's, you know, I don't have that, uh, like navel gazing and, and, not knowing what to say in between songs. I also don't smoke weed before I play acoustic. Uh, yeah. And that's one of the many reasons why, because if I smoke weed before I play, I'll be too like, uh, <laughs> and like not know what to say. So I love that. I might get too drunk, but that's another fun show experience. Right. And that, that has a different result that is also uh good or good, good for the most part, I'd say. Yeah. I think acoustic is like just more communal in general. Like just the, to be able to have that with the crowd is so cool. I try to keep it high energy, you know, like that's, that's the main thing I have in mind is just like being high energy the whole time, no matter yeah. what I'm playing. Um, and just trying to keep people wanting to watch and wanting to pay attention. And you seem to have like a really pretty like solid turnout for some of your shows. Like how, how do you go about promoting them? It's just social media. I mean, a, yeah. I mean, that's, really the best way to do it or the, the only way i really know um but also just like making it a point to talk to fucking people after the show and let them know you are genuinely psyched that they came and why even if they didn't come to see you the fact that they showed up in time to get to see your set too and if they come up to you and like oh they're hearing you for the first time like let them know how much you appreciate that like I'm not a fucking cool person at all. And I'll never be a cool person. I fucking hate a cool person. Fuck that shit. Yeah. I have no fucking level of ego about me when it comes to that stuff. Anyone who is giving me the time of day is like, they're doing me a fucking service just as much as my music might be giving anything to them. So yeah. I think that's helped a lot. Like I've definitely played shows where people came for someone else, saw me for the first time and then came out to shows after the fact to see me uh, because awesome. They liked it, and because we bonded afterwards. Yeah, that's such an important part of it. I I hate when musicians are like dicks to their fans. That sucks. Yeah, just don't. If you're like, because you know, I'm definitely in interactions with people where it's like clear that they're like, they're like tired, maybe not having the best day, yeah. and that's okay. Like that can happen to anyone. That I understand. You don't have to be on all cylinders at all times. All right. But if you're yeah. just like rude or standoffish or like giving off those very serious like i don't really care or want to talk to you vibes it's like fuck, yeah. <laughs> fuck you you don't have anything without these people you just don't and yeah. if you owe them anything at all it's simply just kindness like but that's why like i'm i'm fortunate in the artists i love because they say never meet your heroes well mountain goats john darneal that's my hero and that's the fucking nicest guy i've ever met in my life who's only ever treated me with warmth and kindness so just be cool be cool if people like your shit yeah. and he was mentioned seeing uh vinny like i i talked to him at the fest i ran into him uh we were outside watching my friend's band timeshares do an acoustic set and then i noticed uh he was standing right there yeah and i just watched i'm the avalanche play earlier that day so i just came up to say what's up like it was a great set and like how much you know, I really love that band yeah. um and he just couldn't couldn't have been cooler more regular to me just a regular ass person friendly yeah. down to talk about what new stuff they're working on and shit and like that's that's the fucking way to be and he was also like ah, i saw you singing along to all the songs thanks for that <laughs> like yeah 
thanks for writing songs I want to sing along to. Yeah, he's sick. He's always been really cool and really nice to his fans. Um, let's see here. So what are your goals for 2024? Um, are you going to write more or just gig as much as possible? Uh, both. I got, I'm, I'm release more shit is definitely on the front of my mind right now. Cause I have such a backlog of songs that are like still relatively new, uh, within the last a couple of years. Some, some I've played live, some I haven't yet. So I really want to, I got to get to recording again. I think I'm going to, I think the next thing I'm doing is a full length. So, um, and then probably EPs to come after that. I, I want to start being really productive on the releasing stuff. end again, yeah. I like dropping new music and I, I like getting, I hate sitting down and recording, but I like everything after that. I like adding little things. I like doing the tinkering and I like assembling a record. So I just got to stop being lazy about the sitting down and getting the bare bones to the songs recorded part. Yeah. Um, but I'm doing a little tour at the end of the year um, from the 26th to the 1st. Uh, so um, with my buddy, uh, Chris Brackney, who plays under the name Glencoe, he's from Detroit, incredible singer songwriter, incredibly nice person, great voice. He uh, is very reminiscent of a lot of those like revival tour groups like um, uh, Chuck Reagan and, and Ben Nichols from Lucero he reminds me a lot of uh, the singer songwriter, John Moreland. Um, just really like dude, dude to who can sing some real like tear in your beer kind of shit, but all clearly came from punk rock and have that like soul in them. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, so I'm really excited to be doing these shows with him because he's just incredibly talented and such a great person. Um, but yeah, so I definitely want to hopefully maybe do another tour at some point next year. I'm going to book something. I've been talking to some people shooting some ideas out there so i definitely want to i want to hit the road i just want to i want to do as much of this as humanly possible in every capacity shows releasing yeah. i want to really start hitting it harder and harder this year that a fucking rules i want to i want to check out a set soon for sure well if you go to the meetup the our film groups meetup next year i was literally going to ask about that what is the plan about that like is that going to be in june i think i heard yeah end of june i believe okay uh I think it's the last weekend of June in Rochester. And then we're going to do a show as well while we're there uh, between uh, Jimmy, Carmen, Kirk, and myself. And I think Jimmy and Carmen's bands might play or they might just play solo. It's really up to them. I think Fuck it would be yeah. awesome if their bands played too. Yeah. Um, but, and then Kirk and I are going to play solo. And yeah, so that's going to be like one of, I think, uh, one of the things we all do when we're there, which is going to be a lot of fun. That fucking rocks. I actually have my like ten year anniversary fucking high school reunion at like the oh, same really? time. Yeah, I wonder if that's gonna be like the same week. <laughs> I don't know if they're doing anything. I haven't heard anything, but I was just guessing they would. And that's that's in Buffalo, right? Buffalo, yeah, like an hour from Rochester. Not too far. Yeah, that'd be yeah. perfect. Well, yeah. I mean, regardless, I'll try to make it down for that. That sounds fun. Yeah, I think uh, I think Scott and and Britta and I are gonna carpool it because we're all from. Well, Britain's, uh, I believe, the like Toledo area, but we're all uh, from okay. Cleveland area. So yeah. we're all going to go together up there, just carpool it up to Rochester. That'd be so fun. Are you vegan or not? Vegetarian. Vegetarian. Okay. There's a really good, actually, I mean, it's vegan, but um, this place called Dogtown, they have like those garbage plates. You ever have, have one of those? I've not had them, but I'm, I'm very familiar with them. Oh, yeah. Dogtown is the shit. It's so good. 
I've wanted to try a garbage plate for a long time because how could I not want to eat something called a garbage plate? <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me fucking get that right now. It's the best. Yeah, we're going to have to all get some garbage plates. Um, let's see. So, when did you initially fall in love with movies and what's one of the earliest films that you can recall that you that blew you away? I was actually trying to think about this cuz I was uh talking to Maria, another member of our film group about this where I'm like, I like because I only got super like insane heavy into movies within the last year Mm -hmm. uh but i've like watched movies my whole life like any like most people you know um and like so i i can i was trying to think of like what the first movie i saw when i was like younger before i got super heavy into films that was like really like sparked my interest in it aside from like obvious blockbusters yeah um i guess and this is like you know sort of uh obvious answer i guess but i think like the big lebowski was probably one of them wow. where like i saw that as a teenager and was like oh shit this is like obviously very funny but also like a crazy movie when you get down to like the dream sequences and everything that happens in that film yeah it's just so like not what you would expect and and i just immediately was like very locked into to what the cohen brothers were doing watch yeah. fargo love that Saw No Country for All Men right when it came out and like left the theater like shook. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember being like, I feel like I'm a better person for having watched that, like to my friend after seeing it. Um, that's, that's their best, I would say. I, I fucking love that movie. Definitely high up there. Um, though, out of all of them I've seen, like, you know, and people uh, go really hard on the lady killers being like their bad one, but I watched that recently and I was like, I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. This movie's hilarious and I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the movie that set me into this current uh, fixation spiral obsession I've been on for the last year where I'm now, uh, you know, almost at over, I think over 350 feature films I've watched this year alone. Mm-hmm. Um, not counting multiple watches, just move one, like 350 individual titles. Um, I went to see the film EO last year at the Cinematheque simply because I saw an article about it in NPR. And I was like, oh, this film that follows a donkey. And it's like from the like, you're, that's the main character. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. I want to I think I want to go see that. Yeah. And I went and saw it and I was like. I got to start fucking watching movies again, like heavily. (laughs) Like that was the thing that made me like really, I I was so inspired by the movie. It was made by Jersey Skolomowski. He was in his like mid eighties and it felt like so fucking fresh and alive. And like, it could have been made by a new filmmaker who's really excited about what he can do with the form. And it was made by an old Polish man who's been doing this forever. Um, And that was just so inspiring to me, like completely awe inspiring. And I was like, oh, there's so much to this art form that I need to start receiving. And and that that was it. That was the catalyst for all that. I've been wanting to see that one like crazy. I love like the red poster. I, I didn't know yeah, what it was about. The poster's so great. Yeah. It's, a, it's an incredible movie. And it's like relatively short. I think it's under 90 minutes, like 80 and some change, I want to say. So it's a it's nice. a short watch. But like uh, they, they ended up showing it again at the Cinematheque several times which they don't really do like they brought it back a few times and they don't really do that there because of how in demand it was and how like packed their showings were um so yeah i mean it's 
I, I, I got robbed at the, at the, at the grant, at the Oscars for, uh, for best international feature. Uh, <laughs> they gave it to that. Uh, uh, what was it? Um, the war movie, uh, all uh, quiet on the Western front, which was uh, yeah. great. I, I thought it was a great movie, but, uh, was EO was so much more of a, uh, singular experience. And, and I felt like they really, really, I was, I know I just said earlier, I don't give a shit about what these people decide to give accolades to, but that was one where I'm like, fuck that, man. Should have gave it to the donkey. <laughs> when did you join Know You Go, the movie club? Uh, beginning of the year, I want to say, like early January, February, maybe it was. Wait, so were you after me? I, I did Bicycle Thieves, and I don't know, that was kind of a Right time. after you. I might have been, that might have been the film before I joined because I the first one I was there for was City Lights. Wow. Okay. I didn't. So know I that. think I joined maybe right after you did. Wow. Yeah. City Lights was a good meeting. Wow. And that's because um I was like posting about film stuff and how I was getting really into it and Kate Phillipson who I've known for many years through the amazing world of punk rock. Yeah. Uh, who Kate is one of my favorite people on earth, one of the best people I've ever known, one of the truly like purest of heart people I've ever met. Uh, but she was like, dude, you should join this group I'm in. Like, here's the deal. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds awesome. And I'm, I'm so fucking thankful for her for inviting me because it has added so much to my life. It's been such a joy for me. And I've oh, loved yeah. getting to do it. So it's been so fun just hanging out with everybody like every Sunday. Yeah. It's like a group of people I now love very much and I'm always excited to get to talk to you and even just yeah. bullshitting in the discord throughout the week is always something that like gives me a lot of joy. I always <laughs> like I like really plan my life around those Sundays. I'll like skip out on certain things <laughs> to, to be there for. It's right. very rare that I'll miss one unless I really have to. So, yeah, I hate missing them. I miss like we said the last one. Such a bummer. And I missed the Goskers. That that one really bummed me out. I was in the studio actually working, so I like couldn't even couldn't even do it if I wanted to. But which is so funny too, because you fucking you fucking crushed at the Goskers, <laughs> which I'm still shocked about. I I mean I know people liked that movie Over the Edge, but that yeah that blew my mind. The the thing I was my my personal surprise was um uh when everyone was going through their top five mashes number one was uh casting blossoms to the sky and i was like i wow. did not think a single person in this group <laughs> and the only reason i didn't put it as my number one is because it was my choice right uh, otherwise that would have clear in a way been my number one film from this year because <laughs> um, it's my favorite movie i've ever seen in my life but uh mash picked that as number one and like i knew i wasn't gonna win anything on that level but just having one person be like, that was my favorite movie we watched this year was like, oh, I'm so happy someone else felt that connected to it. All right. Well, how, how did how did Jimmy even like run the whole thing? Did he just like list off like who won certain things or how did that work? So we I think we like he, he had a presentation, which is always he put so much work into doing these presentations, <laughs> like these PowerPoints and stuff. And it's so great that he does that. I love I that. Love it. Uh, but so there was like the categories we all voted on. So we kind of went through those as well. Um, but I think first we just went around the horn and did our top fives. OK, so we each kind of gave our. Excuse me, burping Modelo, <laughs> um, but like five to one. What were your top five favorite movies we watched in the film group this year? 
And so like everyone got like points based on that for their selections. And then, yeah. So you got a bunch of fucking points because a lot of people picked over the edge as their number one. That's so crazy. Wow. I wonder why. I, I mean, I, I knew people liked it. I didn't realize that they liked that much. I don't know. Honestly, I was surprised too. Cause I thought it was like a really good movie and I liked it a lot. And like, I didn't like love it, but yeah. I was so glad that you picked it because I had never heard of it. And it did feel like a quintessential, like, yeah. without being explicitly punk, it did feel like an essential punk film. Where, like, yeah. if you're into this type of life, you should watch this fucking movie because it very much speaks to the outcasts and and the kids. And, like, uh, so getting introduced to it to the phone group was great because I'm like, oh, I'm glad that's in my canon now. I'm glad I've seen that movie. I needed to watch that. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't I didn't realize how completely over people were on it until that happened. And I was like, well, people fucking love that movie. Yeah. I mean, it's super underrated. It kind of just got destroyed when it came out. Um, I think it was. Yeah, cause you said they like marketed it as a horror movie. Yeah, there's a horror poster. Yeah. <laughs> studio fuckery completely missing the point and not just having faith in the work standing on its own. Yeah, I forgot all the other reasons, but it was like it had a really limited box office run. I don't even know, but yeah, it didn't really become a cult classic until like years later on TV. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. But I mean, I didn't even hear about it until I think it was like last summer that a screening, a couple screenings showed of it out here. But it's only been recent like that people are even hearing about that movie. It's kind of crazy. That is, yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah, so is everybody in this group like like Polar Bear Club fans, or is it just people that meet Jimmy through other people? Well, because at this point, it's a lot of people who just know other people in the group. Interesting. Like, okay. I happened to be a Polar Bear Club fan. Yeah. But, like, and, like, had seen them a bunch when they were around. Um, especially fond of the first record. I do like everything they did, but the first, when the first record came out, that was like, oh, but who is this band? um <laughs> it's so good like yeah the, just from that very first song you're just like oh shit um and i yeah. still listen to that record a fair amount it's great um yeah. but um yeah when i joined kate was just like oh this is a great group a bunch of punks are in it and then she's like oh and uh the jimmy from Polar Bear club is the mod like, oh that's cool fuck yeah. yeah um and um but like i know there are people in the group who didn't know who that band was until very recently who had no idea, no connection to it. Uh, my friend Britta, who joined the group fairly recently, I'm I'm super glad she's there. Yeah. She's been uh, awesome to see in the in the chats and everything. Um, but she, she was like, "Yeah, I didn't know what PBC stood for until you guys started talking about it in here in the Discord." So yeah, yeah it's, it's just varying degrees of of knowing or not knowing. I think Mash had no idea until recently. So yeah, uh, that's funny. Yeah, I only knew it because he he did the podcast. And he was telling me about it. He was like, yeah, dude, know you go. And I'm like, what? Like, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> oh, that's so sick. I didn't realize that's how you ended up joining the group <laughs> that he did your podcast. Oh, yeah. I've talked always, about it. Yeah, I've always been a Polar Bear Club fan. And I just was like, I took a chance one day. I'm like, there's no way this guy's going to say yes. Because that's usually what I what I think whenever I reach out to any guest. And he was like, hell yeah, I'll do it. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. It was actually, I think it was Kyle from Fireworks that put in like a good word for me. He's like, oh, you should do this podcast. And that, oh, that's that, awesome. that hooked it up. But yeah, I, I never would have known about this group. And it's it's one of my favorite things that I do all year. So that's the rules, man. That's so cool. I love it. 
Um, let's see. So what's, what's some of the best advice you've received in your career or just in life that has made you a better person? Um, that's a really good question. Oh, you're good. I see. I'm, it. I'm still here. Got the low power mode, even though I'm plugged in. So that shouldn't uh. be happening. Um, no, I'm good. Um, best advice I've ever gotten in my career or life. That's tough. Um, uh, when I was like 12 or 13 going to hardcore shows, um, I went to this one like matinee show, hardcore all day fucking festival in this venue in Cleveland and a bunch of bands played American Nightmare, Poison the Well, Nora, all these bands that I love. And, uh, me and my buddy were there and we're young goofball fucking nerds, 13 years old. And, you know, back like going to shows back then, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not the same now. I hope not, but going to shows back then there would be people who were really cool. And there would be people who were dicks who just like would tar straight up target you yeah. for being young and enthusiastic and not looking the part, which I was like, I thought we got went here to get away from this jock macho bullshit, but here it is right here. Yeah. I um, remember that. But then you'd have enough, you know, but then I'd meet so many people who were just like really cool and enthusiastic and, and helpful. Um, but after Nora's set, uh, as soon as they finished, the singer Carl came to the front stage, pointed to me and my friend and was like, after Poison the Well set, come to our merch booths. And they were the last band playing. And, you know, we're so young. These guys look like fucking rock stars to us. We don't know yeah. how this world works yet. We don't realize that at the end of the day, they are just some fucking guys like everybody else. Yeah. Um. So that we're like, whoa, that's crazy. He wants to talk to us after the show. What the fuck? That's nuts. Yeah. So after this, after the show ends, we go up to the merch booth for Nora and Carl is really nice. He gives us some free shirts. He's super fucking cool. Which again, at the time, big hookup, poor kids. So free shirt. Oh, hell yeah, dude. That's a big hookup. But he was like, you know, listen, you guys are super young. There's going to be people who fuck with you when you come to these shows, right? Like, I'm sure you've already had it. Yeah. It's going to happen. He's like, but fuck those guys. He's like, don't ever let those people stop you from coming because they're not the ones who are going to be building up a scene. They're not the ones who are going to be starting the next bands. They're not the ones who are going to be moving things forward. It's you guys. That's who's going to be doing it. Yeah. And I took that shit to heart and really like carried it with me. Every interaction I had from that point forward. And, you know, maybe that shit would have rattled me a little more had I not had that, that nice talk with Carl. So that was definitely like really good advice. The other thing I think of is when uh, my old band ultra ultra played with ceremony uh, right after they put uh, right after they put out zoo. Oh, and it was, yeah, I was really psyched because I fucking love that band. And Andy, who plays bass for them, is in Paint It Black. So I was like just very hyped about all that. Yeah. Um, and I was like watching them sound check and I'm like, dude, this is fucking awesome. I'm watching Ceremony by myself right now at the Grog Shop. I'm sitting here just watching them play yeah. alone. This is awesome. Um, and at one point I started talking to Andy, the bassist, and I was just saying how like, man, I love how you guys just like, you don't give a shit up. You subvert everyone's expectations with every record at this point. Like you just are doing whatever you want. Like, and you just really don't care. He's like, yeah, well, what's, you know, what's the fucking point of doing this? If you're not doing exactly what you want with it. 
Right. And he had this like big smile on his face when he said it. I'm just like, yeah, hell yeah. That's what we're doing. Like, of course. And that's what you should do. And I'm like, ah, you're right. You're right. That is what you should do. And like, and the proof is in the pudding. Like people will stick with it and, and it will grow and become even bigger. If you just bet on yourself and your own creative vision and don't ever fucking put any fucking stock in what people think or say you should or shouldn't do with your art like no make it the way you want to make it with your fucking distinct vision and that's going to be the thing that connects with people the most and that's going to be the thing you will be the most proud of so that's the other thing i try to keep in mind well said i love that yeah ceremonies they they just announced they're playing a show at the hollywood palladium here they're doing that album uh ronert park i forgot how to pronounce that that whole record they're playing like in full in like February. It's gonna be sick. <laughs> I, I saw that. I, I would love to see that. That's so awesome. I think the song "Sick" is like it's it's up there with like "Rise Above" in terms of like yeah. all time punk rock classics. Like Rise above. that yeah. that oh. will go in the books, the history books, as one of the greatest hardcore punk songs ever written. Totally. "Sick" by Ceremony. It is an all time anthem. Yeah, yeah, I would never. love to see that record. Guess we'll have to have two know you go meetups. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, we've reached the end. Uh, this is the bullshit speed round. I just ask a bunch of bullshit and you give me your best answer. All, All right. right. Grape jelly or strawberry jelly? Neither. <laughs> really? Uh, I don't worst... like jelly. <laughs> That's so funny. Worst movie you've watched in Know You Go? What's what's a movie you didn't like, I guess? The Searchers. Hated it. Oh yeah, <laughs> a lot of you Fucking didn't like that. Hated the Searchers. Yeah, a lot of people didn't like that one. Um, favorite movie you've watched and know you go. Uh, well, if I'm not gonna say Casting Blossoms to the Sky, which was my choice, so I don't <laughs> think that counts. Uh, what was my answer? Hold on. Oh fuck, I can't. Hmm. I can't remember. I'll have to. I'll have to follow up with you on that. I know I have it written down, but I can't remember what it was. Who picked Landscape in the Mist? I fucking loved that one. That that was, I think, Ellis, and that was in my top five for sure. That was. So I know bad. that was in my top five. Yeah. If I had the if I had the list of the movies we watch in front of me, I'd be able to tell you. But my brain sometimes just shorts out, and that's what's happening right now. That might even have been my number one. I can't even remember. I know I had like G- Jan Dealman in there, and a couple of those. I can't even remember, but. Yeah, that one's so good. That one you can't even stream, right? We had to get like a bootleg for landscape. Yeah, I I definitely torrented that one for sure. <laughs> so good. Um, favorite House of Wills song. Um, probably Up Pack. Favorite. I hope all my enemies die tonight. Yeah. Favorite Polar Bear Club song. Uh, eat dinner, bury the dog, and run. It's just actually, you know, you ask me on the right day though. If I'm really in my fucking feelings, it might be uh, uh, fucking the burn out in a jar. You know, like it depends on what mood I'm in. I guess that that could also be my answer easily. Yeah, for sure. Um, scariest movie you've ever watched? Like what's stuck with you? What's not just jump scares and shit? Like what's one that you still think about that's like fuck? I, I guess I like I want to say like The Exorcist. I guess was like pretty like felt actually 
terrifying in its own way when I watched that. So I guess that would probably be my answer. Because I don't really find movies to be very scary. That yeah. would probably be the closest thing. Otherwise, it would be like the documentary The Devil and Daniel Johnston, which is not a horror movie at all, but it right. made me feel a lot of fear about life. So you see Hereditary? I just watched that for the first time uh, fairly recently. I thought I loved it. I thought it was great. Did that freak you out at all? No, no fear about that whatsoever. Just, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, wow. that, that was actually the, I've now watched all three of the Ari Aster films, and that was the second. Hell yeah. Is that, wait, that which is your seen. favorite? Bo? Is Bo your favorite? Bo. Yeah. Bo is, yeah, like that's a five star, completely blew my mind movie. Yeah, I love it too. I just didn't love the, like, the middle portion. I think that's the only thing that took me out of it, but like the first act and I think the last act I loved like so much. You mean like the forest sequence? Yeah, I didn't love that. I know a couple people said that like my um one of my best friends Emily who is like a huge fan of of his stuff she was like really excited when I watched it that was her she was like yeah that's the one thing I didn't love I was all in on that sequence <laughs> and it I guess it kind of reminded me of like Obayashi films in a little bit in a way and maybe yeah. that's why I'm so partial to it but yeah, I thought that really like tied everything for me I, that was I love that movie. It's yeah. I, I, I'm a huge fucking fan of surrealism and film, so that movie was just playing yeah. to all my favorite instincts. I, I need to give it a rewatch. I'm pretty overdue for it. But when I when I saw the film, I saw Ari Aster was actually there for like a Q and A, and the next the next day there was like a headline that said that he dropped acid before the Q and A. I could not fathom. <laughs> dropping acid and then being in front of a room of people that would not be any fun for me that would be terrible yeah he was zoinked i mean maybe it wasn't acid it was one of those like i wouldn't even know i think it was um what's the greatest food on the planet uh the um the uh, uh chung king spicy noodle soup from lj shanghai on superior road in cleveland ohio just east of downtown in the asia town neighborhood where i live it's the greatest meal you'll ever get in your entire life <laughs> that's awesome um let's see what's the best restaurant in cleveland uh tied for first place lj shanghai and uh shay's the diner on east 40th in st Clair, also right by my house uh i'm a big fan of diners and diner food I it shays sometimes two to three times a week. Uh, it is the greatest. Uh, it's my favorite diner in in the world, and I love it so much. I fucking love diners. Um, favorite record store. Uh, it, it used to be Chris's Warped Records in Lakewood, Ohio, which is long gone. But that's the place that like I learned so much music from. And Jill, who was the owner, was the nicest person in the world to me. Taught me so much. Um, so now the answer is my mind's eye in Lakewood, which is, has not died, yeah. was also around during that time and is still there. Shout out to Charles. Incredible record store. Yeah, I've been there a few times. That's a good one. Uh, what's the weirdest venue you've ever played? Um, Weirdest venue. Ah, <laughs> uh, definitely played some weird ones. Um. There was this one house in Akron that was doing house shows that was really cool. I think it was called Fool House, but it was like designed wrong, like the house. 
uh, like there was a stairwell, you a stairway you'd walk up to to go upstairs. Where at one point there was like this much walkway space. Yeah, like it just it didn't make any sense. There was like these huge design failures to the place, so that kind of <laughs> jumps out at me. Although it's not a proper venue, that did feel like this is like a playing in a fun house. Right, that's so funny. Um, have you ever been absolutely annihilated in a mosh pit? Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, uh, yeah, I mean, like when you're young and you start going to hardcore shows and stuff, you're probably going to get your head kicked in every now and then. And, and you know, oftentimes not on purpose. I did get my nose broken once during oh, the God. last like five seconds of Evergreen Terrace's set. Holy fuck. At, <laughs> yeah. Ugh, of Real. all bands at Forward Hall in Erie, Pennsylvania. And the headliner who we were going to see most was Comeback Kid touring out their first record. First record had just come out. Um, Did you miss them because of that? I was in the bathroom trying to stop the bleeding. I heard the guitars starting up like they were about to start their set. I took the tissue paper from the napkin dispenser, ripped it up, (laughs) shoved it in my nose, ran to the front, right up against the stage and sung along the whole time with blood all over me and blood all over my face and the dudes from comeback kid fucking loved it they thought it was so (laughs) funny and that i was a little trooper i was like maybe 16 at the time yeah so that was that was one of the times i really ate shit that's fucking incredible i don't even know i've told you this i i hurt myself the other night i went to go see this band called koyo and i made jokes i literally saw them the night before with my friends and then I went again the next night and I made a joke the other night that I was like done going hard at shows like these were gonna be the last ones this is it I'm like I've had such a good track record of not really getting hurt aside from like getting like the wind knocked out of me and you know right I saw every time I die a thousand times of course I got kicked in the face but like nothing was ever bad or broken or bleeding nothing and no joke I go I go to the show and four songs in i don't know what made me do it but i went and like just touched my forehead and just blood i mean i just was bleeding like crazy and i'm like what the fuck what and i definitely I, I i took a couple hits but nothing was crazy enough to like even reminisce when that fuck that happened to recall it yeah um and so i just was like oh my god and i'm at chain reaction you know a legendary venue in anaheim um quickly try to get out of the crowd very difficult to get out of the pit there so I, I just was like fishing through people. I go to the bathroom and I'm like, I'm like, just I'm doing what you said, just getting toilet paper and just like start trying to stop the bleeding. I even went to the first aid and got like the alcohol and, and do anything I could to just stop it. But what sucks is I'm like one third of the population that suffers from uh vasovagal syncope or whatever that's called, where like the sight of your own blood makes you faint basically. Oh, shit. So, like, luckily I didn't actually fully faint, but, like, there was probably five instances for the rest of the the set that I was, like, having to sit down because I was very close to just falling over. Starting to feel woozy, like you're blacking uh, out. Yeah, I, like, I, like, went in the one, there's, like, one toilet in there, one stall, and I, like, shut the door and just sat against the the fucking floor against the wall, and this dude came in to take a piss, and I was like, oh, yo, like, right here. So I had to get the fuck out of there and I was like resting on the merch table. It was a disaster. It was so bad. But yeah, that was my story. Jeez. <laughs> so yeah, I'm pretty much done. I think I think it's finally time. I just want to play shows. That's my goal right now. I'm done. I'm done going hard, being the fan. I'm I, 
I'm just selective about where and when I go hard, but it, I'll, I can't help myself and I'll never stop. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it is. It's it's not it's not fun being the guy in the back that like has his like arms crossed. And there's so many of those. Yeah, dude, I I can't do it. I just don't have fun. If I'm if I I gotta be in the mix, even if I'm not like going yeah. completely crazy, I gotta be with people yeah. bumping up. Yeah, like angry feeling that pointing. energy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm a bit. You'll see a lot of photos of me at shows doing that for <laughs> yeah. sure. No, for sure. I just I you gotta have fun. Um, let's see. There we got a couple more. Uh, something that made you laugh until you cried. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the scene in Bottoms where they start playing the song "Total Eclipse of the Heart," and then <laughs> yeah. something, and then something crazy happens. I was that. That's the most recent thing I can think of where I was truly in tears, laughing so hard at that. That was pretty funny. That was a good movie. Um, what's something that you got detention for in high school? Fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Fighting fighting some fucking dickhead and, and being annoying in class and talking too much shit and all that stuff. <laughs> That's the best. Uh what's your biggest regret? Um Yeah, no, fuck it. Let's get the honest answer here. Uh I was in a relationship for seven years and that shit should have been like three max. <laughs> And uh, yeah. before, and I knew the writing was on the wall, and kept trying to push that shit. And there's some years I wish I got back from that shit. You know, uh, yeah. that's my biggest regret for sure. No, for sure. Um, what's your favorite Beatles song? Uh, I would say either um, "Happiness Is a Warm Gun" mm. or "Day in the Life." Although I. I think Sgt. Pepper's is a bad record, mostly. I think most of that stuff sucks. <laughs> That's so uh, But it's got a couple really good songs. Uh, and The Day in the Life is one of the best songs they ever wrote. One of the best songs ever. Yeah. I think the best record start to finish is Rubber Soul. I think that's the correct answers are Rubber Soul, Revolver. And yeah. you can make a case for White Album, though it's got some bloat. But Yeah, White Album's got some bloat. Uh, Revolver. Honestly, one of my favorite Beatles songs, Deep Cut, is She Said, She Said. I love that Great song. Great song. I fucking yeah. love that song and the guitar. Um, all right. Let's see. What's a hobby that a lot of people wouldn't know you have? Kayaking. Oh, sweet. Yeah, okay. love to go kayaking. That was a fairly recent thing. It happened over the pandemic. but And I just have a little inflatable boy, but it gets the job done. But there's nothing beats going out in a body of water, listening to music smoking fucking weed and just having a good old time bring it down to rochester we'll hit one of the finger lakes <laughs> ah, yeah i gotta do that actually that's a great uh, idea <laughs> that'd be so fun imagine like a no you go kayaking trip yeah we'll have to talk about that in the group because i think that's a really good idea or even better just like a white water rafting <laughs> and that'd be a good time of year to do it too june that's fucking yeah. kayak weather for sure oh, oh for yeah. sure i bet they have some really good spots up there too yeah for sure yeah all right, we got two more. What's your most embarrassing moment? <laughs> oh, man, where do I start? There's so many. Um, I'll just uh, say the time I got in the 2018, I think, 2017, 2018, somewhere in there, got way too drunk at a Mountain Goat show in Pittsburgh, like blackout, brownout, let's say, because I remember parts and pieces. And... You know, my favorite band of all time, I don't remember the last six songs of their set, wow. right? 
What I did remember the next day was after the set, asking my friend's friend, who we met up with at the show. I was single at the time. She was very beautiful. She was very nice. We are getting along well. And after the set, we were closing out our tabs at the bar. I turned to her and I say, we should solely uh, go on a date sometime. It'd be awesome. <laughs> and I'm sure I said it exactly like that. And she, angel, sweetheart, what an incredible person. She turns to me and goes, oh, well, you know, I live in Kent. So we're just like maybe like 40 minutes away from Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, and I've never had someone let me down so nicely in my entire life. <laughs> but even in my obliterated state, I realized what that meant. And that was just simply me being rejected. So I was like, yeah, right on. <laughs> and awesome. felt fine. And then the next day woke up and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I did not ask that girl out when I was that shit. Oh, no. That's so, awesome. We're still friends. It's all good. That's she was cool. very nice to me. That's that's what's up. Well, what that you, was humiliating. Yeah, I know for sure. What are you most proud of? Uh, that despite it all, I'm still here. Yeah. And I never let it, any of it, turn me into someone else. No matter what I've had to fucking deal with in my life, the losses I've taken, the shit that's come my way, I yeah. stayed true to the shit that I believed in and try to continue to do that even more with each day. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm not anywhere near perfect. I'm a huge fucking work in progress for sure. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm very proud that I that I stuck to my guns in life about what really matters to me and what I care about. No, for sure. And I know you had a lot of rough, rough patches this year, but it's it's nice to see that you're picking yourself back up and things are going good right now. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Above all, I mean, you know, sometimes you don't have a choice in life. And I've had some situations right. this year where I just didn't have a choice but to have to keep my head up. And yeah, but, you know, it's it's better than not better than the alternative. Cause at that point, the alternative is death. And I want to, I don't want to fucking die. I want to be here as long as possible. That's good. That's good. We got one life to live, you know, got to live it up for sure. Uh, that's, that's exactly right, man. As far as I see it and like why squander it. Yeah, exactly. Well, good luck with all those upcoming shows. That's going to be fucking awesome. And I'll see you, Thank you on Sunday. What's, what's the movie this week? Forgot. Uh, Oh, oh it's the uh, Cronenberg one. Crash. Cra Crash, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that. I've seen the I other Crash. Either. Yeah, that's yeah, I only... have. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I've seen the other Crash, the bad one. I've not seen the Cronenberg one. I've been meaning to watch it like pretty recently, quite a bit actually. So I was really excited when Britta picked that one because that's gonna be good. Yeah, the other Crash definitely didn't deserve to win the year that it won. I can't remember what it was up against, but I remember looking it up and being like, "What?" Uh, I, I don't remember. But I remember one of the movies it was up against was Brokeback Mountain. And, you know, but between those two, it's clearly Brokeback Mountain. And yeah. yeah. And yeah. Brokeback's a great movie. People like to troll on that one. That's a great movie. Yeah, it's good. I haven't seen yeah. it since I was young, but I'm, I loved it then. I'm sure I'd still love it now. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Well, hopefully you have a great rest of your week, and I'll see you on Sunday. You too, buddy. Thanks you, for uh, having me on here, man. That was awesome to do this. Yeah, no, absolutely. Do you actually, do you have any other things to plug or do you, um, like what's your social media handles so people can find yeah. you? Uh, I'm Jay Vezus on everything. J-V-E-E-Z-U-S at Jay Vezus on X, uh, AKA Twitter, yeah. um, which I use less and less because it's irritating. Uh, Instagram, that's a good place to follow me because that's where I usually post show updates pretty frequently and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then, 
house of the house of wills.bandcamp.com flowerpotrecords.bandcamp.com go buy a fucking tape it's great it's great music and uh in like two years you'll be able to flip that shit on discogs for like 700 dollars, and, and you'll be thanking me for that investment fuck yeah you got any <laughs> uh any jv shirts coming soon on like a web store or anything anywhere Got a tour coming up, so I, and I've been infamously bad at merch for some reason, even yeah. though I worked in printing for 10 fucking years. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're coming. They're coming soon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some shit soon, and Sweet. I will be putting stuff online. So I'm gonna, And I'm going to try to make it dope. I want, I want it to be shit people will actually want to wear. So Fuck yeah, I'll have to cop one. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Dick. Well, I'll see you very soon. Yeah, we need, we need know, know You Go merch, too. I hope that happens. Yeah. Well, that's being talked about now for the meetup. I think there's some stuff that's going to be printed. So, Thank God. Yeah, that'd be sick. <laughs> well, you have a great rest of your week. And uh, yeah, if you have any good movie recommendations, I need some right now. So just give me anything you got. All right. I'll send you some stuff. All right, Again, sounds thank good. you for having me. This has been a lot of fun, man. I really this, like doing this. This was fantastic. It was a great episode. This was so fun. I haven't done one in like a month. So this was this was a great time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, buddy. I'll see you. I'll see you later. Stolen plates 